Hey guys, it's me, Producer Ross, and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, where fans have their say on their club. And once again, I'm joined by the Game Day regulars, John, Liam, Brad, Thomas, and David, as we talk Itchwich Town. And um, I'm going to go straight over to David first, because last week, I had you last, so I thought, <laughs> I've got to have you first, my friend. Um, how's your week been? And um, I spoke to you after the Blackpool win, but your connection in Colchester wasn't great. So uh, your thoughts on the Blackpool win? Uh, I, obviously, I was delighted with it. Um, there, there were a couple of times where you sort of uh, had your heart in your mouth a, a little bit. When, but then Blackpool had the same set of tactics all the way through, which was just to loop crosses over into the six-yard box, and one of them came off. Um, but no, it, it was it was comfortable. It was good. I celebrated. Not quite the same way as being on the on the terraces. And it, I keep saying it. It's it's very different watching on television, um, even if you have tried to go for a, an, an away experience by going to Colchester to watch it. Um, no, Francine and I were leaping up and down on her on her sofa when when goals went in. Edwards on the left, outstanding, um, exactly where he should be. Who'd have known that if you sign a left winger and play him on the left, he does better than at right back. Whew. Um, Bishop, I thought was was excellent again, and, and I mean I've, I've criticised a lot of last season Nziala, but you know he, he defend, defended well. My one criticism is Hughes. Um, I think he gave the ball away eight times during the game that I counted, and he seemed a little bit lackadaisical. Whether that's rustiness or not, I don't know. But he, I didn't think he stepped up terribly well into it. But um, no, I was delighted with that. Um, no, it's, Good, good, good start to the weekend. It was a good weekend, and um, this week's been drier than last. So that's good. I had a few rants along the way, as you as you know, yeah. and um, yeah, spent spent my time on Twitter. Sunday was National Coming Out Day, so I spent a lot of time on Twitter, um, tweeting about that and supporting people in that. So yeah, it's been a good week. Fair play, and um, over to you, Liam. Once again, I was in the comfort of your home to watch the Blackpool game, and we, or you, you, you know, you saw me go crazy when Edwards scored these two goals um how's your week been my friend and you've got a new Itchers Town shirt so I think that's the first thing we've got to go into <laughs> yeah a bit of a surreal morning uh first time in the office in about six months uh very little people in so that was strange but it gave me an, a, a chance to go and spend some of my season ticket refund vouchers so I've now got myself a shirt um, and uh, yeah, there were quite a lot of stuff I could have got, but at this age, I just want a shirt, so I've got some money left over. Um, but on Blackpool, I mean, it's what I said um, on Monday really good performance, deserve a win, um, really clinical. Um, if I was to have one little negative from it, um, it would be that they're not controlling the game. That's the only thing I, that they were clinical against Blackpool and they deserved to win. And it could have been more because they did look like they could score every time they went forward. But they're just like the first 15 minutes, Blackpool um, put the pressure on and Town couldn't really get the ball and slow them down and get themselves in into the game and then it helped being three nil up at half time. But even even when they got the goal back, it just felt they just couldn't get out at times and there wasn't a control 
um, to really shut Blackpool out. So if you're thinking about better sides in the league, could be quite dangerous if they can't manage to somehow nullify teams and be able to keep the ball a bit better. But, I mean, it was a 4-1 win, so let's not worry about that for now. Um, really good win. Um, and move on to Accrington on Saturday. Cool. And then, what, of course, Mr Game Day is always here. Good old Thomas. How have you been doing, my friend? Good week. And uh, you had a few. You still weren't happy, though. Even a 4-1 win, you still had little moans. You had little moans here and there. Yeah. yeah. It's just... <laughs> That's being an Ipswich fan, isn't it? Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, week's been decent. Um, it's Friday tomorrow. As you know, there's one or two gripes during the week with the Palladium and stuff like that. But I went to toe-to-toe toe with David on Monday night over a debate as, you know, you and Liam were there. You <laughs> let me feed myself to the Lions. But um, yeah, but yeah uh, I live to tell the tale, so I'm happy. But yeah, um, that ball, I was happy overall. It's 4-1, you know, we, the first 10, 15 minutes, we didn't look that great. But in general, it was, it was you know, it was, Good win clinical. I think um, we keep talking about Toto and Nolan and um, Edwards, but I think Wilson's gone very much under the radar. Um, good game on Saturday, I thought. Um, I think it's, it's partly because Toto's doing so well that we forget about Wilson because, to be fair to him, he was pretty decent last season as well and he's 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 still there. He's providing a solid backing at the back there. He's you know the, Toto's had a good start. I think he's just been forgotten about, unfortunately, but he's he's doing well for us and hope that continues. And um, and Kenlock as well. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't great. But the biggest thing for me was uh, Chambers on last week. You know, good game for him. Um, I've been saying all season, a bit worried about him at the right. But he's done all right so far. He's coming there. That's a goal as well. I know. Yeah. Cool. And a pass for that fourth as well. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Um, obviously, there's one or two little worrying things for me still. But, you know, I'm not going to moan about it too much. As I said on Saturday. But, yeah, apparently I had moons. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> A few, but not, not too many. Um, and then over to good old Brads. How many times have you watched that fourth goal? How many I, times? I, I have, yeah, I've got a problem. Um, I've literally <laughs> got up every morning at five and I'm in a sit. Yeah. First thing I've done is watch your highlights every single day. And um, yeah, I've got a bit of a problem there. I just can't stop watching the goals. Um, so because I spoke about them on Saturday, I'm going to talk about the overall performance. Yeah. I thought, I thought we were very solid. I... I disagree a little bit with Liam. I feel that there are different ways to control the game and um, it doesn't always have to be about having the ball. I felt we limited Blackball to pretty much anything going forward. Yeah, they had a couple of good moments in the second half, one led to a goal. But um, you can control a, control a game by suffocating the opposition, keeping your shape and limiting them to what they were, just straight balls over to Hamilton to run in behind, which weren't working. Um, I've... So in that regard, I thought we controlled the game. It's a, it's a tight pitch at Blackpool, like I was saying. And um, it's, it's hard to keep the ball for, I don't know, so many minutes at a time on that pitch with us both playing the same shape, both chasing each other down. So I thought we played really well and it was a really good away performance. Um, a couple of players to mention. Toto, I, I say every week, I'd take him out of next week's 11. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give him some credit. I'm going to keep him in my 11 to start at Accrington. He's, he's playing out of his skin and he was so solid. Um, and like you say, Thomas Wilson was brilliant as well. Um, who's I agree? I don't think he was ready for 90 minutes. Um, but the trouble is, we didn't have a player on the bench, a holding midfielder to come in and replace him. 
just why Bishop went off and Judge moved into centre midfield. Um, and what can you say about Dwayne Edwards? Just I've, I've been hearing the term wizard, and I absolutely love it because playing on that left, he he's almost unplayable. I know it's only been one game, but we talked about Vincent Young, how he can go both ways. He can come in field and he can go around the outside. Well, Edwards, Gabriel the right back, he was shaping up every time waiting for Edwards to go inside. And Edwards was able to go on the left side of him, on the right, on the right side of Gabriel, sorry, down the left wing, and just beat him for pace. Like, the pace was ridiculous. Um, and the, the, ball, the final ball, which we normally moan about Edwards, was spot on. I mean, he, he probably won't ever play that one again. You never know. But, but um, in terms of cementing the position and keeping the shirt, God, Sears has got a hell of a lot to do to get back in there. So, very pleased, as as I am pretty much every week at the minute. I mean, we're, we're top of the league and playing well and pleased with the system and on to the next one. Oh, I wanna, before I get over to you, John, I want to just say to you, Brad, you went for a defeat for this game. So, you must have thought, well, I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, you guys were texting in the WhatsApp group um, saying, <laughs> where's Brad, where's Brad? Like, I just couldn't get, get, couldn't get over what was going on. Um, it was almost like watching a highlight show at one point because of the goals and how clinical we were. Like on a highlight show, you'd normally see the goals and that'll be it. Well, every time we went forward, we scored. So I just couldn't get over how good that first half performance was and the clinical finishing. I just don't really associate it with Ipswich Town, so I was just a bit in shock. <laughs> and of course, the man, the last guy to introduce... Good old John Watson, the man who normally predicts 4-1, but he decided 4-2 last week, and then 4-1 happens, so he uh, was kicking himself. Uh, but, John, you had a good week, my friend, and uh, your thoughts on the Blackpool win? Yeah, good week, thanks, mate. I'm feeling a lot better, shaking the virus off properly now. Um, last week's Saturday performance gave it was a welcome tonic. I really enjoyed the game. It was, it was nice to sit back and just go, oh, we're winning, and then, God, we scored two, and then, you know, actually really enjoy that. Because that doesn't happen too often. It would have been lovely to be there. It goes without saying that we, you know, I think all of us have been to Blackpool away or would have been there in different times. So um, I know many of us were there last season for that awful ending. Um, so it was really good that we, we kind of performed well. Um, echo what all the lads have said so far, really. There's a lot of um, strong performances. We have to talk about Edwards's quality. We have to talk about Toto playing out of his skin. Wilson again. I've got a. I gave um, Luke Chambers our skipper a bit of grief in the summer for his. I think it was against after the Tottenham game, was it? One of the games when he had an absolute stinker, and I was like, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for him to step aside. And if he wants to do that, to my noise, if I'm one of the people who, for the first time in his Ipswich Town career, gave him some stick, I'm pleased he's responded and he's playing really well. Considering he's not a right back, and considering he's 35 now. Um, Yes, it's League One, all that. He's doing his job. And if you win your personal battles, every game I would say Chambers has at least drawn his battle, if not won. This goal, it was just like, wow, yeah, pick that out. I jumped yeah. off the sofa. When was the last time that happened? Um, really lovely to see him strike the ball so sweetly. Um, and then that ball, as we said, I was one of the people who didn't quite realise just how good the ball was for the fourth yeah. goal until I saw it back. And like Brad was saying, the more you watch it, kind of the better it gets. And Edwards' touch was amazing. 
The only slight negatives for me were Hughes giving the ball away and Holy flapped at a few corners, I thought, and didn't look particularly convinced. I wouldn't be confident, sorry. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see Cornell in. Um, but he's done very little wrong across the season so far. Um, I, I, I'm going to give a bit of a shout out to um, the big man up front. I think he's a really good team player. Uh, I, I want them to score a goal. I think he's been integral um, since he's come in after um, Drynan's um, taken uh, his knock and obviously um, Norwood's injured too. I think um, Ollie's done a good job. You know, I think he's um, a good team player. And although he wasn't the headline catcher, I think he was one of the very best players because of his team. I think he's a proper team player. I reckon Edwards is going to say, oh, yeah, I'm delighted he's playing because I'm going to be able to get that knocked layoff. He's unselfish, isn't he? So a bit of an unsung hero there. Judge was a bit more... I'm not a huge Judge fan at the moment, generally. Well, I wasn't in at all last year. Um, and I think he's probably given one of his most disciplined performances. It wasn't outstanding. It wasn't necessarily creating that much. But he worked really hard for the team, which was nice to see. Um, so some some nice selection headaches. And I still think the fact that we haven't got Vincent Young back and we've, we're still missing some strikers and we've got downs out. Considering the season as a whole, we're doing really well. So I was really pleased with the game. Enjoyed it. Um, looking forward to the next one. And I've probably seen more games this season than I would have at this point because um, I don't get to Portman Road as many times as I would like to because of work and family commitments and stuff and the sheer distance. But um, I've seen a lot more games. So on a kind of, it is odd watching on the TV, especially when the, I had the, uh, the Lancashire commentary and like the Ipswich players were celebrating the second goal and the commentator was going, oh, that's a goal kick. And then they go, oh, I think that's gone in. And it was like, <laughs> Yeah, the Ipswich players are jumping up and down. You know, it's yeah. not it's not rocket science. It's a board between the posts, and so it, it's not great. And the, some of the camera work and stuff annoy me this season. But I'm getting to see a lot more of the ins and outs of every game, which is the, the positive I'll take from COVID. So Blackpool, terrific performance. I thought good team performance. Edwards was on fire. Good, good game overall. Oh, I've got a few hands oh. up. I want to go over to you, Thomas. What have you got to add to them? I just I had the Lancashire commentary as well, and um, I, I didn't realise you can change it. People tell me you can, so if I've got a different commentary next time, I'll be looking into that. But um, yeah, just gonna say it makes you realise how good Brenner is. Yeah, well, what we got over here, Brenner's actually really good compared to what we had, what we had last weekend. So, yeah, big up for Brenner there. Yeah. I've got another hand up, um, Liam. What did you want? Do you want to add something else as well? Uh, I just wanted to make a special mention to yourself, who I've not seen shoot out of the chair that quick before uh, in celebrating both of uh, Guion's goals. Of course, Especially that boy. fourth one. Oh. <laughs> I think um, what um, John said about the ball Chambers did for Guion, I, I didn't, I probably didn't even notice the ball Chambers did the ball, and then it was more just noticing Guion is through. Oh my God, Guion's already scores. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, I, the replay, I was already I was cheering too much about Guillaume. I w didn't watch the replay and then, of course, watched the back and, dearie me, what a goal. Um, did, did, I, I um, think your voice broke, didn't it? <laughs> I think it did. It did. Um, Bradley, do you have your hand up? Yeah, um, yeah. just on that, because where, where he was right on that touchline and that terrific ball from Chambers, that's one thing we're doing so well this season is, yeah, we're, we're a possession-based side. But the diagonals that you've seen from Wilson, from 
um, Toto on occasion, especially Chambers, just completely take the team out of the game, take their press out of the game, get in behind, and it's almost like we have a plan B if we can't play through the thirds, even in-game. So I just want a quick word on that, and also a quick word on Bishop. Um, I said last week, I had my doubts on him, uh, but he was absolutely terrific. Uh, Quality. (laughs) Cool. And then, John, do you want to finish up? 4-1 4-1 win against Blackpool. Oh, I still can't get over it. <laughs> yeah. Just because of uh, um, Liam giving you a shout-out for um, your boy, Guion, um, Sindre was with us last week, and he's the big Chainball fan, isn't he? Yeah, and he I is. just had visions of like a satellite delay across to uh, Sindre <laughs> and then popping out of his seat watching Chainball yeah. score. So shout-out to Sindre as well. Oh, man. Like, of course, he predicted a defeat like you, Brad, so he must be gone. Uh, okay, I got a bit wrong there, but yeah, I'm still happy that we won, but you know, prove me I wrong. There remember, we go. I seem to remember you all giving me a bit of stick for these 4-1 predictions, didn't you? And I was going to stick to it, and then you all were talking about conceding, and people were bringing me down, saying we're going to get defeat, so I added an extra second goal in, and then we bloody did it. I told you I'm rubbish at the bookies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Well, a lot of positive chat there, but now let's get on to the biggest story of the week in world football. And um, I'm going to give the hosting chair to David (laughs) because I think he'll be the best man to sort of start the conversation on the project big picture. Um, So, David, you want to kick it off and then everybody will have their say on different topics. So, put your hand up if you want to chat. But, um, Brad, over to you, David. Well, I read it and and, and I... It doesn't come as a huge surprise. I mean, to start with, I think that the government ought to be helping particularly lower division and non-league football out. It's not, one, the Premier League is a separate thing. Um, and two, if you're an Arsenal or if you're a Sheffield United club there, you've got your budget based on what your income is. Just because that budget is big doesn't mean to say you've got millions of pounds just swallowing around to give to Ipswich or Accrington when a virus comes along. This is affecting the incomes of big clubs just as much as it is smaller clubs. It's just that they've got a little bit more leeway because they've got a much bigger um, TV deal behind them. So to start with, the government needs to do something. It's not the Premier League's responsibility to help out Accrington South End or any other club down there, in my opinion. Having said that, the Premier League's going to have to do it. And they've just been opportunistic if you've been reading up over the last couple of years there's been lots of stuff behind the scenes as the big clubs particularly are pushing for a bigger slice of european action a bigger slice of the european and premier league um tv budgets they don't think it's fair that it's distributed so that um west ham sheffield united bournemouth get as much as they do they want more because they're super rich already so obviously they're the ones who need more money so it doesn't surprise me that this is the time when they've thrown out a big picture plan to try and um get what they want and it's mystic but it's in their interest to do so so i don't judge liverpool or manchester united for pushing it because they're doing that they're using the opportunity for their own ends fine but, I mean, I was pleased that there were no B-team suggestion in the original thing because that would be an abomination. 
And I can't, I, I don't think the EFL has got the testicles to be able to stand up and say, no, we're not having that. They didn't say it over the EFL trophy. They completely bastardized that. Um, so, you know, if, if essentially speaking, once the Premier League agrees something, the EFL will roll over and say, tickle me. That's the part of the problem. And the reason it's been thrown out, one is because Manchester United and Liverpool never thought it would be accepted. They've given an extreme point and kick-start it all. You start something right over there and go, this is outrageously, and then people get the niggers in a twist about that, and then you come to a compromise, which is actually where you wanted to be in the first place. And so part of that is voting rights, and you're going to get rid of, I think, long-term, the 14 people in the top flight who get to vote on stuff. You know, the th threshold of that, it'll be a simple majority or something. Um, so it's about giving more power to the top six and the long-term changes they can then enact, which is about making money in Europe as much as anything else. The 18 teams thing, thats that was one of the original aims of the FA when they set up the Premier League. They wanted to reduce it to 18 and it's just never happened because that would involve the Premier League voting to get rid of two of their own members. And oddly enough, they haven't done that, which is why this got thrown out so quickly is because it's this is worst for the lower Premier League teams, far worse than anything else. I mean, in, in, in a, to a certain extent, a lot of it doesn't affect League One and League Two beyond a redistribution of the money, because primarily for us or championship teams, it redistributes money already given because it takes away the parachute payments and spreads it around elsewhere. And getting rid of parachute payments has to be a good thing because they just skew the championship and they are a monstrosity. The um, more concerning thing for me, and I don't know whether any of you have seen this. Um, I'm afraid I was on Twitter whilst one of you was talking earlier on. I do apologise. I was listening, I promise. <laughs> Andy Holt who is, if you don't know, is, is the chairman of Accrington, and he's a fantastic chairman, um, really thoughtful, and he, he fights for his club, and he fights for um, League One and League Two clubs um, hugely, and I've, I've got immense respect for him. He's tweeted this evening, and I'll just read through the, the ones he said, imagine running a football club, you're governed by the FA for all, you're building a club, investing in its academy, its bars, planning permission, the pitch, floodlights, drainage, staff, shops, offices, stock. All the while, while FA chairman Greg Clark is writing papers to stop academy funding below the championship. So the FA has today proposed, as part of this um, rethink, because Project Fear has been thrown out, but we're still having a discussion. So there'll be no funding for academies below the championship. So you'd be cutting adrift all development of players in League One and League Two. He goes on to say, to create a Premier League One with 18 clubs and a Premier League Two with 18 teams, jettisoning eight clubs from the top two leagues and Leagues One and Two, so they would be going into non-league, that's behind our backs with no discussion with the clubs in the EFL. Why are clubs committing to capital expenditure when you plan to undermine them? It's shameful that the FA are part of Premier League planning. 
Your actions threaten many community clubs. I thought the FA was the last hope of keeping our club's futures intact. Truth is, you're just like the rest of them. Dirty dealing behind closed doors, plotting and scheming with Rick Parry and the two Premier League teams. And that's a big part of the problem, is what the big picture thing was about was setting something in motion which benefited the big clubs. Something like it will come in. The problem is no one is willing to actually fight on behalf of the smaller clubs, whether that's at championship level, because they are smaller clubs as well, Derby um, or Barnsley or Luton, they're not big clubs. The EFL are basically in the same camp as the Premier League. You know, they, they don't fight for it. They welcomed the ideas when it was released. The rest of the Premier League didn't, but the EFL went, that's really interesting, I like that idea. The FA are working on this this thing here. Can you imagine the the EFL actually standing up and turning around and saying, no, we don't accept that. We don't accept reducing the funding for um, academies, getting rid of eight teams from the professional game or any of that. It's, that's, that's the biggest problem is the EFL doesn't have anybody with a spine to defend itself against the money people. And I know they've got more power. They always will have. And we, the Premier League came into existence because the elite clubs threatened to walk away and create their own thing because they wanted a greater share of it. That's why you have the Champions League, not the European Cup. It's all about money. It's driven from the top. I understand that. I don't like it. But we need somebody who's prepared to stand up for the smaller clubs, and the EFL doesn't do it. Hence why the EFL trophy is the abomination it is at the moment, because nobody was prepared to stand up to the Premier League clubs. That's the danger, is that you'll have individual... Andy Holt will rant, he'll shout... He'll argue the EFL will ignore him, even though he's a member of it. And I'm sure that Marcus Evans will be having his say, and I imagine it'll be thoughtful, and I imagine that he will fight the corner, but ultimately it makes no difference whatsoever. So I would say look at what they've proposed. Look what is likely to get past lower Premier League teams, and that's what's going to happen, and we have to just accept it. And it's okay. bollocks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over to you, Liam. I think you know more about this than me as well. So, uh, what's your overall feeling when you saw this come out? And, you know, other news stories are going out every day. So, um, what's your overall feeling that's going into it? I, I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't think many fans like it. Um, I mean, um, I've, I've uh, since I was young, supported one of those teams in red. Um, and I would be quite ashamed if uh, this was to go through and destroy what English football has right now. Uh, I know what David's saying about giving the top six more power. And for most of the EFL, it shouldn't matter because um, none of them are going to get anywhere near. But you just feel that the more and more money that they want and the more power that they could be given, that they'll start making more and more decisions that may start to actually break down the pyramid, which is what makes English football unique. Um, I know what he says about B-teams, but, I mean, B-teams is not part of the proposal, but if you give the top six teams more power, then who's to say that they don't start trying to shaft them in, in five, six years' time? When the dust has settled and, and they, 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 
they have a few little piecemeal kind of decisions that get put through. Who says that they're not going to then suddenly start making more radical changes in the future? That that's that, and especially the fact that the bigger clubs are all foreign owned. They're all foreign owned. I mean, the, the Liverpool and United have both got American owners, and I mean, Americans are very much uh, with the the whole franchise system, uh, and and that uh, relegation is something alien to them. So that could be threatened in the future, uh, which would which would mean basically the Premier League just becomes a close shot. Um, the, I know um, that the supporters of most of the top six clubs, their supporters clubs have actually come out against it, uh, even though obviously all of the clubs in that top six would be pretty much for it. I do understand it was never going to get through, but as David said, it's it's to get the conversation kicked off. Um, but I think um, this, I listened to a podcast earlier in the week, actually, and this isn't something that has just appeared. This has been, um, this has been brewing in the background for a number of years now. Um, and that COVID has just been the opportunity for them to potentially just try try something opportunistic. Um, I the EFL, as David says, there is no no support. The EFL will just um, roll over and take whatever they're given. And the fact that the money, and that is the key part of this, is that it's the money that's being offered, which is why the EFL. And why I've seen in recent days that um, championship clubs and clubs across leagues one and two, there's been quite a, a, a pretty um, high backing for it is because they're desperate for the money. Um, and that, as I say, most of the ones in league one and two will get nowhere near the Premier League. So they won't care who's who's ruling the roost at the top in that top division. They'll just be more bothered about getting this money to make sure that they get through this this tricky period and survive. Um, and it's very short term thinking, but that's what it is. The thing, though, with the FL is Rick Parry is a former Liverpool chairman and a former chairman of the Premier League. So I can imagine that this has been years in the making and that potentially Rick Parry was on the other side of the fence when this was first kind of probably drawn up. So he would have been part of either Liverpool or the Premier League looking at this and thinking, hmm, yeah, I think we need something like this. And then, of course, he's been given the job at the EFL years later. Um, and he's not going to go away from something that he was probably backing in the first place. I... I I listen this podcast that I was listening to, um, which was um, part of the Athletic, um, and it was really good. And there were a couple of journalists on there who um, uh, were discussing it. And basically, uh, when the Premier League came into existence, Rick Parry was one of the first people to put his head above the parapet and say, "Look, this is going to cause problems along the line." This is going to cause a lot of financial disparity. I think Rick Parry knows 
that something needs doing because you're now seeing, it, especially with COVID now, that the financial disparity between the Premier League and the rest of the, the football league. And the issue you've got is that the championship clubs are overstretching themselves to try and get into the Premier League. And if they don't make it, they, they are pretty much destroying themselves. And then the gap between the championship and League One is growing all the time. And we know that with Ipswich, that the longer that they stay out, it's going to be harder to get back. And even getting back, it's going to be harder to even compete. Um, and of course, League Two right at the bottom there. I mean, uh, the salary caps that have been brought in, I think, are absolutely ridiculous. I mean... The fact that they're talking about an 18 million salary cap for the championship, 2.5 for League One, is a is a absolute ridiculous cliff, and then and then 1.5 for League Two, and that just shows you how massive a divide there is in the EFL. Um, and uh, to be honest, I I don't want I I'm hoping that this opportunistic kind of power grab by the top clubs is something that does give um, get people talking. And I know that there, I mean, I've seen a few things now about Gary Neville and a few other people are um, talking about um, putting themselves on a panel to start discussing how English football is regulated. Um, and I don't know what that's going to do, but it seems to be that now people are sitting up and noticing so in that regard, I think it is it is a good thing. But I think uh, quite a lot of the things that were in there, um, apart from the money side of helping out the EFL more and making it stronger and, and helping out clubs in this terrible period, um, I, I, I don't think it's a particularly good thing going forward. Um, but hopefully, uh, after some discussions, it may get, watered down and we might see something um, a little less, uh, which gives a little less power to those bigger clubs, because I just fear what they'll do with that um, if they get it. I read Stu's piece uh, on Tuesday and I completely agree about it, but you give them the power, then when uh, it, what's, what's it going to do in the future? When's that? When, when's it going to stop? And potentially those those bigger clubs will potentially split away at some point anyway if if, if rumours are to believe and they go off and join the European Super League. So it, it's it's quite worrying if you start giving all these bigger clubs more power because it'll just end in tears, I think. Hmm. Some heavy stuff there. Um, I saw David's got his hand up, so I'm getting ready for some more heavy chat. Um, so, David, I want to quickly go to you, but then I want to hear... I'll, I'll try and give you a brief... What Liam was saying there, it's about the power because the money they're giving the, or offering the EFL is it is basically the same as the EFL already gets. It's just redistributing it, taking it away from parachute payments and spreading it around. Um, and I think that longer term, what you'll end up with, Liam was saying about sort of the financial disparity, you'll end up with a Premier League too. The, the FA are pushing it that way. I think that it's nonsense. I don't want it, but I think that's where it'll go. The big issue is about reducing the Premier League to 18. And there's a reason, I think, for that. And the other one is 
the voting rights, where at the moment the Premier League needs 14 votes to get some, get a change through. The big clubs want to change that bit and they want to change the um, Premier League down to 18. That and getting rid of the League Cup are the things they really want. And the reason because you, there was a piece last year in The Guardian, quite a long piece, very, very in-depth, and it was about the way in which the big clubs here and on the continent are pushing and pushing and pushing at UEFA to create a full-fledged European league. And because of the money, again, it'll be a closed, closed shop European league. So you get lots of Barcelona, lots of Real Madrid, lots of Manchester United, lots of Liverpool. Um, and the likes of Burnley and things like that aren't, or, or Galatasaray, smaller European clubs, not, in, not invited. If you don't, if you've got four less Premier League fixtures, if you don't have a League Cup, suddenly you're freeing up some space to expand that European thing, and that this the reason why this is there is because that's the big clubs' long term aim, and the the UEFA have got just as much ability as the FA to stand up to those clubs because if they walk away and they say no, we're not being bullied, if they go and set their own thing up. Is the Champions League as profitable for selling to Sky and company? It's not, is it? Though I saw a thing on Twitter the other day, and I agree, which is we should just turn around and go, okay, fine, piss off, go and go and do your thing elsewhere. Because personally, I'd far rather watch proper football between Burnley, Sheffield United, Ipswich, Fleetwood, or anything like that. That's proper football rather than all of that lot moneyed doing their thing. But it's not going to happen because you'd lose the Sky deal. It's about the European League. That's the long game they're looking for. And if you look underneath it, those are the bits they really want. They're not interested in the rest. And the EFL is not getting any more money. It's just being transferred in a slightly different way. Well, um, let's hear from you, John, then. Um, anything else to add? So David and Liam pretty much covered everything. <laughs> but, uh... I'll, I'll try not to uh, speak for too long. Uh, Echo what Liam was saying about Stu, um, Stu's comments earlier on in the week, a really good article, because um, it kind of came out on Sunday and I wasn't really looking at the news, and then it wasn't until Monday night that I kind of soaked up what was happening. For me, it's basically about the rich looking after the richer. Maybe that's a bit like society at the moment generally. Um, I won't get on that soapbox. Um, I think it's about the Premier League, then having a Premier League too. It's about stripping the power from clubs like currently, unfortunately, Ipswich Town. Um, they'll want us to loan the players from Chelsea and they'll want us to loan players from Man United C team or whatever it will be. They don't want us to have our own academies. Um, the salary cap is destroying it anyway. It, 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 it's just about money, money, money. Um, I tweeted earlier in the week, it wasn't my tweet, it's viral, shared a tweet of that young Liverpool um, fan talking about the problem with uh if you if you we'll have to I'll, I'll link it into this pod when it goes out um just a, a young lad on the street talking real sense about cl- real fans don't matter anymore um soulless atmospheres in corporate stadiums and all that kind of thing I'm, I agree with David I actually want to see real football you know we all are passionate about our teams. That's why, you know, we're chatting here on a Thursday night about things that aren't directly affecting us. Um, and that passion for football is something that it's, it's magic. This just makes it into a business. This is about money. 
I think the moral code is wrong as well. I'm a big believer in like, you know, the kind of bully on the playground. It's the big six lads getting together going, right, you're not playing, you're not playing, you're not playing. We're having the ball. We're in charge. Piss off. Who do you think you are? Just because you happen to be popular right now. I mean, just if we had an Arabona, you know, I once sat around a table in Dubai on the back of Dubai with three Arabs, all multi-millionaires, and they had a joke about, they were seriously talking about which Premier League football team they should buy. And I said, if you want a sleeping giant, it should be Newcastle, which they were talking to me about that. And one of the, the sheikhs who was on the table was actually talking about buying Charlton and he didn't like the press intrusion. They were talking as if I was talking about going out and buying a banana. They have you know, ridiculous amounts of money. Yes, they are businessmen too, but it's just about status. It's about money. This is not about real football. Um, TV deals, that's all it's about. So on a purely selfish reason for uh, Ipswich Town, it just shows that we are in the wrong league at the wrong time. The salary cap's directly going to affect us right now. But if we don't get out of this league soon... We are going to be nowhere near the Premier League one or Premier League two because if they reduce the, the the teams to eighteen, then suddenly the Championship will then reduce as well. It's going to be harder, and we get further and further away from it. So selfishly, and I, I started off by saying we should all look out for each other. This isn't just about Ipswich Town. This is about football in this country. I just think it's a sad day. Yeah, and. Um... Brian Thomas, want to get your quick thoughts on this as well. I know we're very much talking about the world of football, but as John just said there, sometimes we've got to talk about football because it's that's the game we play, basically. Um, yeah. I'm talking nonsense now. Let's go to Brad. <laughs> yeah, excellent coverage from you three. That just that was really good listening to that. Um, I'll speak um, off. I think I'm sure Thomas is the same because he goes on a non-league podcast. But um, proper football is what you're saying there. And there was a phase in the Marcus Evans start of the era where I wasn't enjoying it so much going to watch it switch. So on away games I go and watch low stuff. And that is proper, proper football. I enjoyed my time more during a few years watching them. Um and now I think compared to the big boys with the EFL, this is proper football where we are compared to them. And um just the level of disrespect that's been shown to the EFL. Um and the whole the whole thing with England, football in England is just our cultural sport. We absolutely adore it. Proper, proper fans like us. We Do we want to sit there and watch Tottenham versus Barcelona on a Sunday evening? Not really. That appeals to the global market, of course. But proper English diehard fans want to watch their club, never leave five minutes before the end, never go and make a cup of tea. They want to see their club play. And that's why they're getting this so massively wrong. It might work in other countries, but we're proper, proper football fans here in the UK. I'm just, I know there is obviously, you know, sort of fans who will watch a game and um, not really care about the outcome, who wins. But, um, yeah, for, for the likes of us, it's, well, for Ipswich, it's my, um, it's my live and die sort of thing. So, so yeah, I think if this did happen, it would crash and burn because they'd realise, oh, we're not getting the ratings. Oh, yeah, we might be getting ratings in, I don't know, China and places like that, but you're not going to get the ratings here, which I think they're going to get. So I think it would crash and burn even if it did happen. Okay, no, no. That's, that's about the um, top European league I'm all about. Okay, okay. 
And uh, Thomas, for the um, to end this heavy chat, you got anything to add? First, I want to know what Johnson's smoking. Going on about going, you know, being on a plane with some Arabs. What, what have you been smoking, John? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but yeah, um, I've, I've, I haven't really been looking into it too much because of a. I've got other stuff going on and stuff like that. So it's been good to listen to all of this tonight. Um, to sort of be in the back, on the back seat to sort of hear what's going on properly because I've, I've been keeping bits and pieces, but it's, I haven't looked into it too much. Um, and from what I can tell, it's kind of a I don't like it. I don't like what's going to happen. I don't like what's what they what they've been proposing and everything that's been going on. But the biggest worry for me is probably the EFL. Um, sort of, as David was saying, is trying to fight for League One and League Two. I mean, well, you got. The argument I've got there is Barry, and they didn't really give a shite about them in the end. Um, it's you know they just let them crumble at the end of the day. Um, so I think they haven't got their they they you know they're they're for for us let's say, but they're deep down it's it's hard to say how far they'll go to kind of stretch for us. And yeah, it's it's, it's worrying. It's, it's all going to go into money and um, eventually. And like I say, if the European Super League have because of money and I've got no interest in that I'd much rather go down to Ipswich Wanderers and watch them than go and see Liverpool versus Barcelona um, I have no care for it at all it's, it's like John was saying it's becoming more business 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 and I just rather see proper football it's, uh, it's much more fun oh, and, uh, Sadly I've got Liam's hand up so I'm sure he wants to add <laughs> some more to this um, so go ahead Liam to end this chat I, I just wanted to round off that the magic of the English pyramid is that a team at the very bottom of that pyramid could potentially play in the Premier League. Wimbledon. Okay, yes, there are a lot of <laughs> barriers stopping that and, and you have to, and there'll be financial challenges, but the league structure, if you win league after league after league after league, you could potentially play in the Premier League. And I, I think the fact that um, this this um, power grab at the top threatens that. I think it would be a very sad day that you have clubs in non-league who could be very ambitious and want to push themselves forward who may never get the chance because um, the pyramid gets destroyed by this. And, and that would be a really sad day for English football. OK, I've had time to breathe. The heavy stuff is now out of the way. Let's get on to the transfer window. Town loves a transfer window, don't we? We don't really sign many players. Um, I'm going to go through, rattle out the long list of players that Town have signed this window um, on permanent deals and, of course, loans. Uh, David Cornell, Ollie Hawkins, Stephen Ward. You know, we got our business done in one day. The 17th of August was the day exact. And, of course, we've had loans in like Mark McGuinness, Keenan Bennett's. And, of course, we've also signed um, some players for the under-23s and Ross Crane and Albert White. But, um, John, I want to go over to you first, my friends. Um, are you happy with the business? And do you reckon Town will make that deadline day signing? I personally would love to see somebody come in. But do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Um, like Stu and Andy um, have said in recent weeks um, on the main pod, um, never say never, but... Being a betting man, you wouldn't probably put money on it. I know there's talk about us being a little bit light in midfield, potentially, with downs out um, and the injuries around that area. Um, I still think we've got enough in central mid, especially if Noel, 
hopefully Nolan's not out for too long. Um, you got young Brett McGavin who can come in and do a job. Excuses like the forgotten man with his injury. We haven't seen him anyway this season, so it's almost like he's not around at the moment, so he's not missing, if that makes any sense. I don't think we need to bring in a central midfield player unless there's a real serious injury to Nolan that we don't know about. But, you know, that, that hopefully that's not the case. I, I would still like to see us bring in a striker. Um, I'm not sure... It was great to see Jackson back on the on the weekend. We forgot to mention that when we were talking about the game. It was good to see him back on the pitch, um, and I, he does offer something different with his pace because you know, you know, some of the teams we played have got the kind of the older centre halves who maybe don't like being run at. So Jackson offers something, but Norwood's situation with his injury and then other things going on, we don't know when he's going to be back. Drynan's still unproven, isn't he? He had a really good start to the season, but he's, he's out. It might take two or three months. We, who do we bring in if if um, Hawkins does take a knock? You know, we've probably got people like Dobra to begin and around to play off the striker. Um, we've got Judge who can do different jobs, you know, arguably to great or lesser extent. But for me, if if... If somebody clatters Hawkins or he has a fall or, you know, a knocking injury, uh, sorry, a knocking training or something like that, that would be a hole in the team. So I would be looking at either bringing in, you know, I don't really like it, but a Premier League uh, or Championship loanee in or a free agent. Yes, the window probably means that, you know, some things have to happen at a certain time, but free agents can happen anytime. So, Maybe a free agent. I, I saw on Twitter this week there was some talk about um, big Colin Quanner or Quano, whichever you want to say. I actually thought without him scoring goals, he, he was a decent player uh, for us. So I, I, I think he had something to offer. I can see Liam shaking his head, but you know, I think he, he he's got something about him. And if he was available and it could fit in with the um, the, the salary cap budget, then. Why not? Um, do I think it's going to happen? No. Is it likely? No. But another striker would be the only other position, really, that we need to fill at this precise moment, I would say. Because I'm just worried about just having the one hold-up player. Yeah, Jackson gives us something different. And I do like Jackson. Um, I don't think he fits into this system particularly brilliantly. You know? So maybe a lone striker, but probably won't happen. Okay. I'm going to go over to you, Thomas. Uh, what's your thoughts on the transfer window as a whole? Um, we're recording this on Thursday night, so, you know, if the sign does happen on Friday, then, well, we can't really react to it. But, you know, are you happy with the business we're done? And or do you reckon we should maybe sign and loan out a few players as well? If you asked me on the 17th of August, would I have been happy with our signings? I'd have said no. Um, I was happy with Cornell. I didn't think he'd perhaps, you know, challenge for the, the holy spot, you know, be between them. I didn't think he'd quite make it, and he hasn't. For now, but he is a decent option to have his back up. You know, he, if Holy does keep clapping around like he has been, he, he hasn't done too bad, but um, you know, there's, there's still a chance he could come in there. But the other two have been great so far. Hawkins, he's he's providing a little click ons and he's holding up well up front for us. Um, he, he, for me, he's first choice, especially even before Norwood um, got injured. I think um, Hawkins is doing the bits and pieces that um, Norwood doesn't. Norwood is always asking for the ball. He always, you know, he wants to score. Whereas Hawkins, he's he's unselfish, and he's that's why I think for us, Edwards and the wingers are scoring more. We're getting more goals from midfield because Hawkins is doing the dirty bits, and 
is, is getting our wingers in. So for me, Hawkins has done really well so far for us. Um, and obviously Steve Ward as well. I wasn't, he, you know, he's a decent left back. We always knew that, but I think it was his age more than anything. But he's come down to our to our league and he's he's done the right so far. Unfortunately, he's got injured and we've sort of got a hole there now. Um, obviously, we've got Kenlock who can come in if need be. We're still... We still don't know how serious Ward's going to be. So, and Dabba could potentially go there. I know they've tried that, and there's one or two other options that we could potentially put there. So, it's if if Ward's injury's serious and what, what it is, then we perhaps potentially need someone else there. But um, at the moment, it's 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 okay. You know, we've got we've got players to fill the void for now. Um, I agree with John though. I think we do need another striker, but even even just for the next two or three months just get someone in until January because Norwood's out, Dryden's out for another month at least and as John said, he is he's unproven at this level. I know that Mark Keith went like that, but you know it's uh, <laughs> it's true. You know, he's um he's he's he hasn't played many games for us and he's he did well when he came in, but he's still still quite green for you know for what we need. And the same with um Tyrese Simpson as well. I think he can come and he'd probably do do a job, but he's not going to play 90 minutes for us every week at the moment um, if something did happen to Hawkins and Jackson. So um, we do need another striker, I think. Um, it's, it's, do I think we'll get one? No, because we've still got Jackson there. I guess Bennett's can come and play there if need be, especially with Edwards um, doing so well on the left. So we could always potentially put him there. But in terms of in terms of who I think we'll get anyone, I don't think we will. Um, I think we, our business is done. It depends if anyone calls Lambert up to offer I guess it's anyone from if there's any loans available you know we could always potentially bring in someone tomorrow or today I guess if you're listening now <laughs> but um but yeah um it's I don't think nothing will happen I guess Dobber is going to potentially go to Crawley I don't quite know I saw something like that today is that a, is that a possible still I don't think so. I think they've, yeah, that, well, there's a few other, yeah, there's a few other clubs that are in League Two, and well, apparently Falkirk, Falkirk from um from Scotland. So, but I don't see, I don't see us yeah. sending him to Scotland. I'm but, yeah. quite happy. I'm quite happy he stays. But unless he should be in, like I was saying last week, he should be in the squad in my eyes. So if he sticks sticks around, especially with the injuries mounting up, that has been, and we know for a fact that this season's going to be tough with injuries of so many games after each other. So it'd be good to have Dobber around to fit in and potentially get back into get into the squad full time. Um so yeah, I'd I'd keep keep Dobra for a for a definite um just to have him filtering around. So yeah, um happy overall I think. Um depends what happens over the next couple of months though, doesn't it? Um yeah. biggest scrape is there Will Keane going to Wigan. Still would have him in the squad. Wonder, you know, backed him all, all last season. I know many people didn't but um it, it hurt when I saw they they put that tweet out. <laughs> Short-term contract as well, were not it? Yeah. Only until January, so... That's, so. Why, that's something we should have Maybe done. Maybe we could pick it up in January. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if he's yeah. fully fit. Yeah, get injured. Probably. Get, no, no, no. He'll get fully fit up there and then he'll come back down here and then get injured, wouldn't he? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, so Brad, um, going into this sort of season, the positions that we have sort of filled, left-back and Hawkins and Cornell as a backup goalkeeper, were they positions that you wanted to fill or was there other positions you wanted to maybe have a bit more depth in? Yeah, well, left back was for Claire an obvious one and it's been the best signing we've made. Um, just hoping that Stephen Moore can stay fit consecutively over a number of games because it kind of worries me that he's already breaking down after four games with a slight niddle. 
that could keep coming up and the drop off of Kenlock is so big. Um, and Hawkins, another shrewd addition, something different and holds the ball up really well. I mean, that, that pass from Dezel into Hawkins started at first goal last week. I bet you there's not one other striker at that club who could have held three men off and then played onto who to then start the move. Um, really impressed with both of them. Haven't seen any, any of Cornell. Um, but I said, I think we all said that if we kept Wolfington and Downs and we didn't really make any signs, we all said at the start of a window that would be a successful window. Well, we've done that probably because of injury to Downs. Um, but we've also kept Wolfenden probably because of the form of Wilson and Enciala um, and also made some assured additions. So looking at the squad as a whole, I'm pretty happy. Um, I worry about Andre Dezel's longevity this season. I think he's played 90 minutes nearly every game. I absolutely love him. Hope he can do that. But that's going to be a case with Ken Lock and Ward that if he does get injured... You really have to be asking questions who fits in there. That would have been Flynn Downs. I feel like he could have done that role. Um, we saw in that Cambridge in preseason, Nolan can't do that role. So you're then looking at McGavin and the youngsters, and what does what role Dezel is playing there? It's literally so integral to our system. I always bang on about Andre Dezel because <laughs> I need to stop uh, going on about him so much, I suppose. But but yeah, um, happy happy with the window and the squad. Every team gets injuries. You've just got to find a way around them. And I don't think we'll bring anyone, bring anyone in. If I had a wad of cash, I'd go and go up to Coventry. I'd say, can I have time to walk back, please? And just guarantee promotion. That would do me. Because I'm part of his fan club as well. But, um, yeah, that's that's me on the window. <laughs> cool. And uh, over to you, to you Liam. Um, do you think Town should maybe just bring in maybe one more loan from the Premier League just to have a safe bet? Or do you... Do you think we should rely just on our youngsters? You know, they're, they're at the club. If they don't get loaned out, like Corey Andaba and Dobra, would you pr- rather have them here instead of maybe a la- last-minute loan for the Premier League? Well, I think I think um, nobody will come in, um, first of all. But if someone did come in, it would have to be short-term. It is just... We, we forget about a free agent, because at the end of the day, yeah, a free agent, I know what... Will um Will Keen up at Wigan? It's a very short term deal, but I mean at the end of the day, this is a stopgap. Uh, if they make a sign, because I, I I think striker is probably the area that we would need to maybe bring someone in just for a bit of cover. But I I, I don't see the point really in going for a under twenty one. Premier League player when could just use someone from our own youth system. If it gets that desperate, we just have to put up with it. All clubs, all clubs uh, go through with it, and and Town squad is bigger than most in this division. And if we are in a position where we have got that horrendous an injury um, list, then I think we should just trust the youth um, rather than at the salary cap. It, it it raises too many complications. Um, the fact is, is if you buy a free agent that is uh, over the age of 21, you are taking a place in the squad. And then suddenly you're having to then maybe knock someone out of the squad to fit that person in who is only going to be a stopgap. So overall, I would just stay stick with the youth uh, that Town have got. 
I wouldn't loan Dobra at the moment. I would I would probably keep him in there. I I know I know we we were on the fence last week. Um, uh, well, we didn't want to see him go, but I know Stu and Andy are on the fence about it. But I think if injuries continue to happen, and the key thing is we've got six games coming in eighteen days now. That 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 could see injuries happen quite quickly. So someone like having someone like Dobra, who isn't a finished article, but someone who could give a bit of help, be an impact player if needed, called upon, then I, I would keep him. Uh, Brett McGavin the same, and I mean, he might be very raw, um, but I mean Lambert trusted Tyree Simpson last year to come from absolutely nowhere to try and turn around our fortunes. Well. If it gets that desperate again, then I would just say put him back in. Uh, he's a big, big, imposing lad. And the way that town play, um, I think he could do the Hawkins job pretty well. Cool. And uh, David, to run up, you know, how do you rate this window? Um, and do you think maybe Lambert will look at the free agent market? Of course, you know, you can sign a free agent whenever you want. So do you reckon he will do that? Um, I was I was slightly uninspired at the start by the signing of Hawk, and I wasn't completely miffed. I thought he could do a reasonable job, but um, you know, uninspired. I still think that. I mean, I, I like Cornell's um, footwork. I think he distributes the ball beautifully, um, but I still question whether it was worthwhile spending the money on him um, when we've got two highly rated youngsters who could have sat on the bench like he's doing. Um, Ward, I was pleased with at the time. I thought it was a good short, short term because of his age, but I thought it was, it was a really good signing. Um, and Hawkins has turned out to be so far an excellent signing. Really impressive. I mean, that the faint he the way he sort of just moved past the ball for that second goal of the weekend, which allowed the ball to get out to the, the, the left wing was a thing of beauty. I love that. I mean, you, you, the pass from chambers. Yep. Yeah, amazing. But just those little things that he does, he was just ran across, the ball went underneath him, and he took player out of the game to allow the ball to get out to that left wing. And that, that sort of play is, is a lovely thing to see. So I'm pleased with Hawkins. Um, obviously delighted Downs and Wolfenden are still there, even if they're not currently playing. Ward, good signing. Cornell, yeah, fine, good player, but I think it was pointless. Still think it's pointless. Um, would I sign somebody now? Um, yes, I would, um, because we have a history of not taking a risk at the time when it's needed. Um, and if I was Lambert, I'd go and knock on Evan's door and say, do you remember under Mick when if you only you'd have spent that money there, what could have happened? And just plant that seed in, in Evans's head. And he goes, yeah, you're right. What, what are you asking for? Yeah, we can do that. So if I was Lambert, I'd be playing that little mind game. And where I would be doing it, if I could, it would be a striker. And I, I would quite happily have, uh, I mean, I would prefer to have Keane back, but we're going to um, listen to our scouting, Thomas, and um, decided to get him instead. But Quainer, I, I think he's got that pace and he's got that power. He's got aggression. I think he can hold the ball up. Um, he did score four in seven at the end. But I think that, 
it's not about goals from a striker in this. You could have Heskey. It's about holding the ball up. It's about doing that. It's, it, no, but Heskey was a decent striker. You're laughing at him, but Heskey was a decent striker because he was selfless. He created space for others. And it, it's that's what that role is. And Quayne's physicality, and he's got pace, I think would do a nice job. I also think we need a left back. Um, I know we've got one in Ward, but Kenlock was adequate. In, I mean, Kenlock was decent until he got booked. The moment he got booked, he disappeared. And then that was compounded by Judge turning up on the left wing for some obscure reason for four and a half minutes to allow us to concede a goal. And then he buggered off back to the right. We need another left back. So if I was Lambert, I'd be asking for those two things. Do I think we're going to get it? No, I don't at all. Um, at best, we'll get a loan deal from a Premier League team for somebody who'll sit on the bench for a long time and occasionally come off there and he'll be 18, 19 when we could develop our own. I don't want a Premier League loanee. I don't want to develop somebody else's players. I want to develop ours. Um, but that's that's the best we can hope for is a Premier League loanee. But I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think that um, anybody reporting on Towns transfer dealings tomorrow can go to bed early. Yeah, yeah quite day expected at Porton Road is the normal... New story that goes up on all the all the websites. Oh, sorry, Russ. Mm-hmm. We have complained over the years that town do all... I mean, instead of getting things in early, we leave it until um, sort of the season started. We got it in early this year, and you have to give the club some credit for doing those deals early, where quite often we moan because they don't turn up until three weeks into the new season. So, swings and roundabouts, isn't that? Yeah. And I've got um, Thomas's hand up here as well, and John. I'll go over to you, Thomas. How, how does David know that Mick didn't knock on Evans's door? I want to start Monday night up again. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I don't know, but um, but the thing is, if Mick did go and knock on Evans's door and Evans went, no, you, you're keeping that. If Lambert does it now, he can say, you know, you didn't back Mick at that point and look what happened. And maybe Evans would learn from that mistake. So he didn't back Mick. He didn't learn last January. Pardon? He didn't learn last January. No, but then again, you know, keep making the same mistake. You have to change eventually. You know, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm putting the Lambert arguments here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best on his behalf to, to get a bit of cash in his pocket. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I would love to see a new left back and I'd love to see um, a player in the, in the vein of Quaino with that strength, you know, um, to play up front. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and John and Brad as well put his hand up I'll go over to you John quickly yeah just a real quick point Ross just to say that before the season actually got going I was saying can we have uh, a new centre half uh, I was saying a 25 to 27 year old um, just credit to Toto and credit to Wilson that we've still got Wolfenden and now McGuinness on loan who we haven't seen yet and if KVY is ever fit um, <laughs> arguably Chambers might move back into centre half at some point. You know, we don't need the centre half, so that's credit to the players who we've got because I was writing some of them off. So let's just say well done again to Toto and James Wilson. Um, one thing to throw in uh, as well is just that if if and it's a big if I understand that if KVY he has played left back before, and if Ward's out, maybe have him. At, left back while James is right back until Ward's back fit. That is an option in some games if he ever gets fit. And there's lots of ifs and buts there. But well done, Toto, is what I'm saying. I never thought I was going to say that this season. <laughs> or um, 
before I go to you, Brad, like normally it is like when you know players do come back from injury, it's like a new signing, and uh, that you know that cliche. Um, but yeah, Brad, to end this transfer window chat. Yes. So just saying on John's point there that Toto is like a new signing, absolutely. And um, I just want to throw this out there: when KVY does come back, I want to see him at right wing. I want, I want to see that. I, Sort of a FIFA move. Put KVY on right wing, see what he can do. Him on the right, Edwards on the left. Mayhem. <laughs> shot. Okay. Well, well uh, watch his space. If KVY, if he does ever get fit, maybe that we could see that happen. Because he, he also, was going for a lot. Yeah. I say also, Chambers, I don't want to see him go back in the centre-half because he's always been a better right-back than he was in centre-half anyway. Because he's, yeah. he's not physical enough to be a league one centre-half. Doesn't win his battles. And he's not good enough on the ball of what, what, what we want. I mean, I'd, I'd say Toto and James Wilson are playing well on the ball as well as doing the physical stuff. So, yeah. Sorry. Cool. <laughs> no worries, no worries. So, and, uh, well, we'll get into this weekend then. Accrington Stanley, who are they? And the good old cliche about them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yes. Now, last season, there was mixed results against Accrington. Of course, the 4-1 win at home which just was just amazing. Just couldn't go over that after that horrible run that we went on and then to win 4-1, which was just mad. All those goals going in. And then, of course, the other game, which was on a Sunday on TV, 2-0 defeat. Dobra got sent off on his debut or his league debut, um, which wasn't great. But um, how are you guys feeling going into this game against Accrington? Let's get their results up. Uh, they're currently sitting sixth in the league, which, you know, still early days, only five games to go. We're top of the league. You know, we're not getting carried away. But, it's still nice to sort of say we're top of the league. Because I don't think we actually have said this in this podcast yet. I don't think we've said it. So I just, want, I just want to throw it out there. I think I did. Um, okay, okay, possibly, okay. But yeah, um, so they've had a really good start. They had a, of course, the opening day win against Peterborough. Beating them was a, what a great result for them to start their season. Uh, then they lost against Oxford United 4-1, another sort of promotion rival. And the last two results have been wins against Rochdale and Wimbledon. So they're getting their, their wins in early. Um, would you say they'll be up there or do you think they're more of a mid-table team? But um, I want to go over to Thomas first. How are you feeling going into this game? Um, I'm pretty confident. First things first, I'll go 3-1 town. Um, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I can see us. I don't know. I can, they, they seem to be scoring now and again. So they've got a few goals in them. So um, I think... I think we'll concede, unfortunately, but um, I think we've got enough about us to put them put them aside. And when they come to our place last year, we scored four, so um, I'm not I'm not too worried. Um, I know they said today I can't remember who said it, but I know they said they can beat anybody. But which is true in this league, you you know if you put your minds to it, you could catch anyone on a bad day. But um, I'm quite confident um, if we play like we did last week, um, control the game. Not quite how Liam wants it, but. <laughs> If we can control it, um, like we did last week, I, I, I'm not not worried at all. Um, you know, we're we're on fine form at the moment. We're picking up the results, top of the league, um, at home as well, which will be a positive for us. I know we're not there, which, but at the end of the day, it might be even better for them. <laughs> but um, I, I, yeah, I'm quite happy about it. Looking forward to it. Um, I know they've got one or two players for Chelsea, but Free. I'm not. Three. Yeah, yeah. Three players, yeah. I was looking to look at their players before before the podcast, so you know it's they've got they've obviously got one or two good players there for this league, but um 
I think we've got enough about us to put them away and carry on our unbeaten run. Um, I I wouldn't change the side too much. I guess it all depends if um, Nolan and his calf strain, is if um, if he's feeling if it's better and he's you know there's no more doubts about him, I'd put him back in for who's who um who didn't have a good game last week. Um, he was the only negative for me in terms of our performance. Apart from that, it's I can't see us changing it too much. Um, let me see why we would. I know there's Kenlock's a bit of a worry, but can't really do much about that at the moment. We're bored out. So, yeah, 3 1, I think. 3 1, 3 points. We'll still be top of the league come Saturday evening. Happy days. And, uh, John, are you going to keep that positivity? How are you feeling going to this game? Another four goals? Do you, uh, do you know what? I'm in absolute dilemma about this one. Oh, I, I've been oh. swinging from one side to the other all day. I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I repeat everything that I kind of said every game so far. We, we shouldn't be fearful of any team in this league. And I'm not being arrogant there or over cocky, but we are Ipswich Town and we're playing teams who arguably we should be competitive with every single game. We should not be fearful of anybody. The only two sides that I would be fearful of if those stadiums were away to Portsmouth and away to Sunderland. But again, I think they're winnable games. Um I, we should never be fearful of a team like Accrington, but that makes me, me suddenly panic and go, <gasps> this could be the game where things don't go well. Um, so I really can't decide. Form, Formation-wise, we're obviously going to be 4-3-3. That's our, our, our set pattern of play and formation now, which is great. I presume only an idiot would move Edwards from the left. Um, please don't move him. Let's give him another run there because he was absolutely superb. Um, Hawkins has to be up to top in the middle. You presume he's going to keep Judge on the right. I still have reservations about that myself, but um, let's go with that for now. I presume the back four pick themselves is certainly going to be Chambers, NCR and Wilson. I would love it if there's a bit of kidology and Ward's absolutely fine and Kenlock's back on the bench, but mm, don't think it's going to happen. Um, so good luck to Kenlock. He did okay. Um, let's have him back in. If Nolan's fit, I can see, like Thomas said, um, Hughes losing his place because I do think Nolan's a better player than Hughes at the moment. Um, so, Dazelle sitting in a deeper role, um, pulling the strings. Bishop hopefully um, shredding them and running at them. And um, maybe Nolan doing this um, nice, neat play and um, keeping us moving forward. So, yep, steady team. I think Bennett will appear at some point again, maybe Lancaster. Um, so, yeah, it's quite exciting. We've got some options. And I can't decide if I'm going to go 4-1 again or I'm going to go 2-2. And I'm in a real dilemma. Ooh. I'm really stressing about it. I'm going to stick with 4-1. Now, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You, know, you all laughed at me when I said 4 last week, didn't you? You all laughed and, you know, did score 4. Why can't we do it again? Why can't we go on a run? I've taught myself into being positive. 4-1 it is. There it is. But if it's 2-2, I'm going to cry after the game, OK? <laughs> <laughs> OK, and um, I want to go over to Brad, who predicted last week that we'll lose um, 1-0 against Blackpool. Um, how are you feeling going into this game? Are you feeling the same, or are you sort of going to ignore that side of your, your brain? No, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit um, panicky about a couple of things, such as Toto facing his kryptonite in Colby Bishop. Oh, yes. um, so... Uh, but I, I feel like we're going to win this game. Um, I feel like last week's performance, we're going to go absolutely mad in the first 20 minutes off adrenaline alone of last week's performance. 
Um, and yeah, I'm predicting a 2-1. At Brimson, they play a 3-5-2, and I wanted us to really hand it to MK Don's against the 4-3-3 a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't. Adrington play it slightly differently, where they have three massive centre-halves. So Hawkins have his work cut out. You've got Sykes, you've got Hughes and Burgess, and they'll all stay compact as a three. So we're not going to have much joy in the middle of the pitch. So it's going to be, we're probably going to see if we're going to score, probably be a diagonal out to a, a wide man and running in behind, getting a ball back cross, cross goal. Um, Pritchard is a is a star player, and um, I'm thinking I'm making up a bit there, aren't I? <laughs> Sorry, it's my headphones. Carry on. Yeah, Joe Pritchard's been their star player so far on the right right wing back, but he'll have his hands full with Edwards anyway. And um, I think if we make the pitch as big as possible and keep the ball out of the middle of the pitch, where at Greenson, uh probably would get if they get any joy, they'll get it there just by their sheer physical presence then I think we'll be successful and we'll come away come away winners. Brilliant. And uh, you know, go over to you, Liam. How are you feeling going into this game? Um, as I said, last season, there's a mixed bag of results. You know, 4-1 win at home last time against them. Of course, we were there. The crowd were there. So uh, this will be very different. But um, how are you feeling? What's your prediction? Um, well, I don't want to come across arrogant, but... Doncaster and, and Lincoln are harder games uh, next week uh, for me. Um, so this should be another three points. Um, that's no disrespect to Accrington. They've started really well um, and they have beaten Peterborough. Um, so that is that is a scalp already. But, I mean, the opening day, you do get results like that on the opening day, um, especially... Uh, the fact that squads aren't settled yet and uh, this season's been a bit of a, a mismatch, uh, mishmash, hasn't it, really? So um, those sort of results will happen. But I think Accrington will be a mid-table team at best. Um, they've had a good start and they've won games against teams that um, I know we haven't had particularly many big games so far where we would um, say that we've had a real big side yet. Um, but uh, Accrington have done it against against some of the um, teams that will probably be in and around them. So I don't see why we shouldn't win this. Uh, I would say 4-0. <laughs> um, I don't think we'll concede this week. I mean, we scored four last, last week um, and we scored four against them at home last season. So I don't see why not. I'm, I I hope defensively, we might be able to keep it shut this time and we'll get a 4-0. Um, I think confidence is high enough to do that. I, I don't see why that would be an ab absurd suggestion. Um, in terms of the team, it'll be pretty much same same as Blackpool. Um, I would keep Hughes in. I know he didn't have a good game. I, I, I said that to you a couple of times that some of his passing was pretty atrocious. But I think a lot of it is down to he hasn't played a lot and he hasn't played pretty much at all this season so far. So I think you've got to give him his due that he's come in and filled a position and he clearly wasn't fit. I think this is the sort of game where you give him a second go. Um, and then potentially we get Nolan back for Doncaster on Tuesday. 
or um, or Lincoln at the end of the week because I think that they will be tougher games. And if Hughes doesn't do it against Accrington, then I think that's where we get the the stronger player in Nolan, who's had a great start to the season, back in for those games. Um, I think that we should be winning this game fairly comfortably. If we're if we're going to do anything, this is a game again, and I've said this a few times, but I think this is a game again that we should be looking to win fairly comfortably. But it gets harder after this. Okay. And finally, David, <clears throat> Liam said 4-0. Are you going that crazy? No, we won 4-1 against Blackpool, but 4-0 against Accrington, I don't know. I can't see this happening. But how are you feeling going into this one, my Five, friend? Five, six, seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going 4-1. Um, Jesus. All right, carry on, carry on. Yeah. Um, the one, I, I would love to go for 4-0. My problem is that I don't think that we will maintain it for an entire game we didn't against blackpool we sort of you know you just sort of like oh yeah and we did, we did it earlier on i can't remember which home game it was we're playing really well and then you score the second and you just go okay sorted <laughs> we keep doing it and we did it against blackpool and we sat back and and i know that was partly because we fanny around putting judge on the left and so on but also we've just sort of sat back and um i think that um Stuart was saying he could hear you know when they scored Chambers having an absolute layoff into them and going, come on, and motivating them. And then they just sort of like just attacking waves. Why, if, if you've scored a third, go and score a fourth. If you've scored a fourth, go and do a fifth. And we just sort of go, oh, yeah, it's done, and set back. And that's the only quibble, really. I've got quibbles about individual players or individual performances in individual games, just to annoy Liam. But overall, my big quibble is that we're not doing it in a way that just goes, we're dominant which is what I think we should be doing. We should be saying, not at 2-0, 3-0, we've won it. We should be going, right, let's go and get fourth. Let's get a fifth. It's the 85th minute. We're 4-0 up. Let's get a fifth. It's the 90th minute. We've got three minutes of injury time. Let's get a sixth. You know, absolutely hammer it if you possibly can. And, and I, I don't like that sort of sitting back thing. It's and the Mourinho way of management, isn't it? <laughs> it really annoys me. And I saw, saw several people getting cross on Twitter about... Um, England's performance yesterday, which I didn't see because I don't care, but there it, it seemed to be sort of that same thing, sitting on a one nil type thing. Was that England sitting on a one nil? Uh, they were they lost one nil um, and had Harry Maguire sent off, but a lot of people were annoyed that Jack Grealish didn't play. Yeah, well, but that attitude I don't like. However. Accrington, I do. I love going to Accrington. I've been there up there a couple of times. They've got an amazing pub, which is really friendly just around the corner. Um, the staff on the door are friendly. The pies are nice, but you have to queue up for a long time for them. I really enjoy going up there, and they're a properly run club. I really like Andy Holt as a chairman. And Ross Sykes is a central defender I rate really, really highly. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I was saying he was a player we should be looking at when John was saying about centre-half. Um Ross Sykes came up on there. I think we'll win. I think we'll win well because Accrington are decent. John Colton's got them set up well, but I think ultimately we're just better when it comes down to it. Across the pitch, we'll do that. Um, we'll get it wide. Where we've I mean, basically unchanged, isn't it? We won 4 1. Where you've got question marks, Kenlock, if Ward's fit, he, Ward comes in, doesn't he? You know, that that's. 
but if not, then Kenlock does. Just hope he doesn't get booked because his performance really dipped after the booking. Um, Judge, uh, I'm not going to go back into my feelings about Judge particularly. I can see the merit in having a difference. So you've got Edwards with the pace and the running and Judge with his business and industry on the other side, and they give you a different blend so it's not the same on either side so it makes it more difficult to defend against if you've got different people doing different things on different sides i can see that argument i just don't like judge on as a winger he's not um i think it would be different if you had kvy behind him because then you'd have that overlap so that you've got the industrious and then you've got the um player behind him so if, if you had kvy with judge in front and then edwards with ward behind then you've, the complement of those two players adds up to a hole, which would be really difficult to defend against. I think Judge could do a job in the centre of midfield. I think that his industry and his discipline, because he'd be more involved, I think a lot of his lack of discipline comes because he's like a six-year-old who just wants to be on the ball all the time. Yeah. Um, I quite like, given the fact that, like Brad said, Accrington like to play keep it close and you're going to concede space on the flanks it'd be quite nice to have that pace on the on the right as well you know having um bennett's or um the guile of lancaster and that that sort of ability do i think it's going to happen no i think judge is going to be out there so i think the only question is does hughes stay in and for me if nolan is fit nolan starts um you impressed john um no <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you can't, on, you can't argue with his performance so far. And Hughes was not a good performance. And my thing is, if you get a chance on the side because of injury or suspension or something like that, you come in and you have to perform at the top of your game because you are nailing that slot down. I don't care whether you've been out for six months, two days, haven't played since 1742. You're coming in and you're saying, I'm having this now. You're not having it off me. Hawkins, I think, has done that. He's come in, he started, and he said, no, it's right. You know, if Norwood was fit, you're not having it back. Do I think that Hughes has put up any sort of fight to keep his position from Nolan? No, he hasn't, has he? You know, and that's what you've got to do. You can't say, well, I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another chance because you're not fit yet or something like that. That's what the under-23s are for. That You know, you go and stick him in the stiffs until he's fit. No, so if he's fit, Nolan comes back in, Ward comes back in. I'd play pace on the wing, but I think it'll be judge um, and 4-1. And the one will come when we're 2-0 up, we sit back, and it'll be a header from a corner, and it'll be somebody else's fault. Chambers will get the blame, and it'll be one of their big centre-halves who bangs it in. <laughs> John, did you want to add something what David said? I just wanted to say a few weeks ago... David wouldn't have Nolan anywhere near the side. And he's got Nolan starting. And now he's stealing my 4-1 as well. What's going on, David? (laughs) No, I mean, I I wouldn't have had... I mean, if you go back, the start of the season, I wouldn't have had Nolan near the side. I certainly wouldn't have had Judge near the side. And I'm still questioning his role, I have to say. Um, Edwards, I would have been playing on the left. I wouldn't have had Enciala anywhere near the first team. Um, You know... And credit to them, I, I still think that there are better players around. But Enciala particularly, and Nolan, I'm, I'm convinced about him at the moment. 
But Enciala has really stepped up and he's turned it round. Ross showed me a video a little while ago of the me um, after the Leeds game. Mm. You know, when we won on the last day when we got relegated. Yeah. And I was effusive on the, that game in my praise for Toto at that point. I, I said, you know, he was, he was, I think my words were, he was immense. And there's a player in there. Didn't see it at all last season. But we're starting to see really the player that was in that Leeds game, and I, I, I'm I, I'm more than happy to turn around and go, "Yep, I was wrong about Nolan and Zilla at the moment because the performances are there." Cool. Well, um, Thomas has pointed out, will we do a Doncaster prediction? Because of course we've got a game midweek next week, um, and of course we won't be, of course, going live or recording an X episode until next Thursday. So I want your guys' predictions. For that game, uh, quickly get, get up Doncaster's um, position in the league table. So they're currently sitting 11th in the league. Uh, they've had some mixed bag results. They lost 1-0 against Wigan. Um, they had a game postponed on the weekend because of the international call-ups and all that jazz. Uh, then the other results were 4-1 win against Bristol Rovers. So they love a 4-1 as well. Then they beat Cholton 3-1 at Cholton. And then, then they started their campaign with a 1-1 draw against MK Dons. So... You know, not a bad start to the season. Um, they would probably be in the mix, of course, in the the top six if they didn't have a you know a game postponed. But um, I want to go over to you, Liam, quickly. What's your prediction for this game? Uh, I'll say two on town. Okay, two on town. He's gone in there early with that result. Uh, then Thomas, uh, one 0 town. Ooh, you think this will be a more trickier game then? Yeah, definitely. Okay, and then uh, Brad, three 0 Oh, to, town. to town? To town, yeah. Because okay. Donny away, yeah. But Tuesday night, no fans. Sexy football. <laughs> right. And uh, John, are you going 4-1? Of course, Donny is your local team. You, no, uh... I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Ooh, okay. Why is that? One of the games that came to Portman Road last season was the Doncaster um, game, which was really quite... Poorly played off the park with their knee pattern. We didn't play well. Donny, you were hit and miss side. They always have been. Um, you know, I was at the Cape Moat a few years ago when we, on Boxing Day. Did we hit six that day? Same to remember. Mm. Um, you know, we. Uh, I'm sure it was six. Am I making that up, or was that just a Christmas present? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if it was Boxing Day. I don't know if we played them Boxing. I know we beat them six 0 once. I don't know if it was Boxing Day. It's we probably did Christmas play time. Boxing Day, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, and maybe you mixed two different. Yeah. yeah, we beat oh, yeah. them on boxing. Well, three, 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 sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyhow, we kind of either show up against Donny or we don't. It's one of those. Um, I would like to say I'm a bit good more of that game than any other game because it's three miles from my house, um, and I might go and deliver a three-liter pint of piss um, for Mark. Uh, hey, courtesy of Andy and Stu. Um, but um, that's a game I would be at and really loving it. So I'm gutted about that. But I'm thinking it's going to be a boring game. and it's, we, We'll take an early lead and they'll equalise so 1-1 one, one for me. OK, and then uh, David, to wrap it up, do you think we'll continue our winning ways? Hopefully we'll one on the Saturday. Um, I saw them last year and, and they they were technically good. Was it um, the... The youngster Coppinger, 
Um, he he ran the show, didn't he? Um, and we we couldn't get near him from. The, but equally, that was at the point where we were busy imploding by playing thirty eight formations in twelve days. It was sort of um, so. Yeah, I, I think that it was one of our trickier games last season that I saw. Um, it was one of the games where I didn't think that if Lambert had a clue, we might have done something. I just thought that we weren't there. Um, the other one was Rotherham. I thought uh, Rotherham just just wiped the floor with us last last year because we couldn't cope with the physicality, and they had a plan. Um, this year. Um, I think we're a different proposition, basically. I think that, um, and Coppinger's a year older. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go 2-0. I think it'll be cagey. Um, and I'm slightly hesitating about it because I think that it'll be very cagey to start with. And when one side scores, then it, it, it'll make it very difficult for the other one. If Doncaster score after that cagey bit, then, you know... But I'm 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 an optimist. I'm gonna go two 0 To town, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there we go. A very big podcast. Oh, Thomas, did you I, want I to just, add something? Uh, I was just gonna add a really great Dor- Darren Moore as a manager. So thanks. yeah, definitely our biggest test so far this season. We will oh, yeah, it anyway. Yeah, yeah. White Whiteman was brilliant for him last season as well in midfield, but they lost Shafe, who is a Arsenal loanee who went to Coventry on loan. So those two were massive for them. Whiteman's lost his partner. They're still a good side. Um, but I just think, like David said, we're a different proposition this season. Yeah. And um, I feel like we've almost got an attitude where they think it's going to be a hard game for us. We'll just do what we did at Blackpool. Yeah, show all of them sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Well, there we have it. The end of Game Day Extra Time. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Once again, thank you, Liam. Thomas, Brad, David, and Breve, and John. Thank you all for joining me as ever. Um, one thing I didn't add last week is if you want to get involved in the podcast, then contact me at Ross Media UK on Twitter. Um, it'd be great to hear some more voices for this podcast. Uh, of course, we've got the game day regulars. But it's always nice to have people like Sindre and other people coming in. So if you want to get involved, make sure to get involved. But uh, I've been producer Ross, and that is the end of the um episode today so hopefully back to back wings for us to talk about next week from true crime to football brexit to football for more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archon